So welcome to week two of this five-week series we're doing called Dark Days, where we are looking at a very famous biblical figure named David. He is the David. You may not know a lot about the Bible, or he may not have been in church much, but this is the David of David and Goliath. This is the David who would go on to be king of Israel. Um, We started looking at David at the beginning of the year in our series called Full Throttle, and David comes onto the scene with a bang. He takes out Goliath. He rises through the ranks of King Saul's army, and he is so loved. He has tremendous success. We looked at that in Full Throttle. What are some of the things we can put in place in our lives to live a full throttle life? But now David is in a new season of his life as we talked about last week. And, and one of the main catalysts um, is he's kind of lost his focus. He's lost his, his sight of God a little bit. And so last week we talked about how to start to get that back on track. If you missed last week's message about pouring out your complaints to God as a starting point, if you're facing some dark wet days, you've got to go tune in. That was an amazing, amazing message that we talked about last week. So here we are in 1 Samuel chapter 23. That's where we're going to be today if you have your Bible or you want to turn uh, and look at your outline. The words are going to be up on the screen in just a minute. But um, basically the deal is that David has had so much success that King Saul, the king of Israel, who David works for, is insanely jealous to the point where Saul is now trying to take David out. And he's plotting all these ways. Basically, he can just kill David. And so David is in this season where it's so bad, he is on the run. He is literally out on the run, in the wilderness, in the desert, fleeing, fearing for his life. So he had some great days, but now he is facing some seriously dark days. And maybe you're here this morning and you're facing some dark days right now. Maybe you're in one of those seasons of your life um, where kind of you can relate to where David was. Or maybe you're here and you're not in one of those seasons, but boy, you sure know somebody who is uh, a good friend of yours or a loved one, family member. And and so maybe, you know, what we're going to look at today won't apply to you directly, but, but you can think of someone else in their life who maybe you could, you could share some wisdom or some encouragement with. So we're going to take a look at first Samuel 23 and, uh, and learn about some of the things that David did. There's some real practical nuggets of wisdom in here for when we face dark days. And there's really three things that jump out to me, and I've tried to boil them down for you today in just three words, okay? Three words that we're going to go after. And so um, we'll go along. You can fill them in on the outline as, as we go through this message. So as 1 Samuel chapter 23 begins, an important piece of information for you. David is literally in a cave in a place called Adullam. And we've got a map behind me. And so you kind of get a reference point. This is modern day Israel. And um, so there's Adullam right there. He's hiding out in in a cave, um, fearing for his life. And he's with his 400 disgruntled men, if you remember uh, the message from last week. So there they are. They're hiding out. And here's what it says. 1 Samuel 23, verse 1. So David was told, look, the Philistines, who are the arch enemy of the Israelites, the Philistines, and that's uh, Goliath was a Philistine, right? So look, the Philistines are fighting against Kila and are looting the threshing floors, all right? So let's go back to that map if we could, okay? So, um, so here's the deal. We've got um, David in Adullam. Here's Kila, and it is... Um, it's only about three miles south of Adullam. Okay, so verse two. So David inquired of the Lord saying, 
Shall I go and attack these Philistines? The Lord answered him, Go attack the Philistines and save Kilah. But David's men said to him, Here in Judah we're afraid. How much more then if we go to Kilah against the Philistine forces? So once again, David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered him, Go down to Kilah, for I am going to give the Philistines into your hand. All right, so if we could put that map up there just one more time. Uh, so here's, here's what's going on. So Kyla was in a rich agricultural region, okay? This is fertile territory. So strategically, this is a big deal for the Israelites. And the Philistines know this. It's, it's harvest time. And so they're harvesting wheat, they're harvesting barley, and they're harvesting on these threshing floors where they're separating everything so they, so they get the kernels for the grain they can use to make food and all that good stuff. And so the Philistines are, they're pretty close, okay? This is Gath right there. That's where Goliath was from. And so they strategically make a strike over to Kilah. Now, they, what they don't understand is that David is right there in Adullam. Now, the reason that, that this would have been a great target for the Philistines is because uh, Kilah is a relatively isolated city compared to the other cities in Israel. And so they go and they strike. They think, man, this is, this is going to be perfect. So David's like, man, I'm only three miles away. So he asks God and God says, yep, it's time to go. All right, so that's kind of the backdrop for this thing. So the first thing we see David doing, the very first thing we see David doing as chapter 23 opens is seek. He seeks God's guidance. If you want to fill that in, that's the first word for today when we're facing dark days is we seek. And David really begins a new habit here, okay, because he'd lost sight of this before. John talked about this last week in, in the message. David had, had kind of forgotten to seek God's wisdom and guidance. And so if you remember from last week or you remember 1 Samuel 21 and 22, David's out there on the run and he's afraid he's about to get killed. And so you remember, he acts like he's totally insane. He starts foaming at the mouth. And I mean, he's just going totally on instinct and adrenaline, okay? It's nothing to do with seeking after God, trying to figure out what's the right thing to do. And so now we see David is once again seeking after God for wisdom and for guidance, okay? We see it again in verses 10 through 12. And from this point on, you guys, this really is such a turning point for David, even though he's not out of the, the cave yet, he's not out of the darkness yet, but he begins a habit here in 1 Samuel 23 of seeking God's guidance that becomes his M.O., that lasts pretty much for the majority of his reign, all the way when he becomes king of Israel, all the way through sustains him this habit of seeking God's wisdom and guidance. Now, so this may seem almost too obvious, like painfully, insultingly obvious, but I just have to say it because it's so clear from the text here, okay? When we are facing dark days, it is so important to seek God's guidance. So, so important. So the, the basic question for you, if you're facing a, a dark time in your life, are you praying for God's wisdom and guidance? Are you asking God on a regular basis for guidance and for wisdom? 
Um, a number of years ago, Becky and I hosted a community group at our house, and we had a, we had a great uh, regular core group of folks who we met with, uh, turned out to be for, for years and years, and we became good friends. And what we would do is after our discussion time was over, uh, we'd move into uh, prayer requests, and then we'd pray for one another. That's kind of how we finished out the evening. And so we had this one member of our group, and she she would just had this one prayer that she loved, this one request that she loved to ask for. And uh, I see one of my guys out there, he's, he's laughing, he already knows who I'm talking about. So uh, one of our group members, and she would always pray, like, wisdom and guidance. Wisdom and guidance. And so, you know, we would go on a few weeks, and uh, prayer requests, wisdom and guidance. We go on a few months, wisdom and guidance is a prayer every time. And then literally, like, we're years in at this point. Okay, and what can we pray for you for? wisdom and guidance. We didn't have to ask anymore. And, and then every now and then she'd throw us a curveball and she'd say, yeah, I just want to pray for guidance and wisdom. <laughs> I mean, that was like, that was crazy. You know, I was real radical just to kind of keep things fresh. You know what I'm saying? But here, here's, the, here's the point. Here's the point. This was just a constant, and this wasn't like, I don't really want to tell you what's going on, so I'm just going to kind of, you know, give you, give you something lame. This was a heartfelt I really want God's wisdom and guidance for my job, for relationships, for family stuff, you know, all this kind of stuff, right? Well, here's the deal. Having known this member of my group for years and years and years now, I see the fruit of this in her life. It is just so obvious. She's made some incredibly wise decisions. And when you look at her life personally, professionally, relationally, you see the fruit of that wisdom. It's, it's awesome. So it might not seem that exciting, but the question is, are you doing this on a regular basis? Are you seeking God's wisdom and guidance? Check out uh, James 1, verse 5. This is James, the brother of Jesus, and this is what he writes in his letter to the church. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Now, I just want to say time out for a second because there are some of you here and you're like, well, duh, okay? Derek, man, come on. I, I'm, I know that. I, I'm in a dark place right now. And it, of course, that's the first thing you do is you ask God for help. You ask God for wisdom. Yeah, of course. How, how can you not? Okay, there's, there's some of you and you're almost insulted right now that, that it's so just dumbed down here at this point. And you're, in fact, your problem isn't so much that you need a reminder to, to ask, to seek. Your, your, your issue is much more like, man, I've been asking and seeking, and I feel like I've just been talking to a brick wall for, for weeks now, or months now, or years now, and I'm just not hearing anything back. The problem isn't on my end. I don't have any problem seeking, okay? My problem is on getting something back. And maybe you're here, and you're so frustrated, and I'm just, just getting even more amped up now because you're just so frustrated. Or maybe you even come to a place where you're just exhausted. You're like, you know, I'm so sick of praying this prayer. I mean, I don't know where God is or what's happening, but I'm just tired. I don't, I don't even care anymore. I don't even want to pray anymore. Maybe that's where you are right now. And here's what I want to tell you, okay? I just want to give you something that Jesus implores us to do. It's from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. And you might have seen this verse written a slightly different way before, this is the New Living Translation of the Bible, and it really renders the Greek in a beautiful way. Because when Jesus says, um, ask, seek, knock, in the Greek, he's actually saying it in a way that implies continuous action. 
And so check out how the New Living Translation renders this, these verses here. Jesus says, keep on asking. That's so spot on what he's really saying. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. For everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. So listen, here's what I want to say to you. If you're, if you're frustrated, you're exhausted, whatever, I just want to say, you're, you're doing the right thing by keeping on asking and seeking and knocking. I, I know it's hard, okay, but this is what Jesus says. Keep at it. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Keep on asking. It reminds me of that, that REO Speedwagon song, Keep On Rolling. You know what I'm saying? You just got to keep on rolling. You just got to, you just got to keep on. You got to just keep doing it, okay? Just keep knocking on heaven's door until you get an answer. And I just want to tell you, if that's you and you're here and you've almost given up, I've been there. I've been there. Keep on. Keep on. That's what Jesus tells us to do. And if you're, you're faithful to that, God is going to answer. So you're, you're on the right track. Just, just stay with it. And I want to tell you something else. What we see here with David is he begins this habit of seeking God that becomes a habit that stays with him through all the success that he has and through his, through his kingly reign. You might begin a habit in the dark days. And that's oftentimes when we, boy, we're really spiritually tuned in, aren't we? That's when God really gets our attention is in those dark times. But you may begin habits here that then carry you to the greatest of times and enable you to stay high on the mountaintop and to stay humble and to stay grounded and to keep seeking God's wisdom and guidance. It may be birthed here in the cave, in the dark times, that could be a habit that becomes your M.O. for your life. Think about that. Seek. So David seeks God's guidance, and God says, yep, go to Kila. Go there, rescue your fellow Israelites. So in verse 5, it says, David and his men went to Kila. They fought the Philistines, and they carried off their livestock. I can't help get the image out of my mind that they like picked up you know, all the livestock and had them on their shoulders, but I'm, that's not what they're meaning. But um, you get the picture, right? They, they totally destroyed the Philistines. It says he inflicted heavy losses on the Philistines and saved the people of Kila. Now, this is absolutely remarkable to me. Here's David in the darkest season of his life by far at this point in his life. And you know what David isn't focused on at all? Himself. He's focused on how he can serve. And that's that second word, okay? Seek and now serve. That is David's focus. How can I serve? This is such a powerful, powerful concept. Halfway through my junior year of high school, my dad got a job transfer from Memphis, Tennessee to Cincinnati, Ohio. And so we just packed up right over winter break and we, we moved and I was in a new school. I went from a small high school where I kind of knew everybody and it was really cool. I was very comfortable. And now I was thrown into a huge high school where I didn't know anybody. We're halfway through junior year. Everybody's kind of got their whole friendship, you know, thing, clicks sorted out and everything. And it was just a, it was a tough time for me. 
It was a really, really tough time. And I just remember just, you know, it was just struggling a lot that, that second semester of my junior year. Well, after that semester finished, uh, my mom decided that she wanted to sign me up for a mission trip to Mexico that my, our church we had just plugged into and, and that church youth group that I had just started attending hadn't really, you know, plugged in well yet. Uh, she wanted to, to get me going on that trip. So she managed to coerce me to, to go down to Mexico. And I went kind of reluctantly, pretty skeptically down to Juarez, Mexico. There were 14 of us who went. And um, we went, we built a house for a woman who lived on the streets of, of uh, Juarez, Mexico. She had lost her husband tragically and she lost one of her children. So here was a woman who's widowed with one child. And she had no place to stay. And so she and her one child were just out on the streets and they saw a whole bunch of other children who were out on the streets who were basically just abandoned kids on the streets of Juarez, Mexico. She took them in. She didn't have a, an inn to take them to. You know what I'm saying? But she took them in. And so here's this widow with 12 kids. And they were literally, because I saw the dirt where they were sleeping. They just were sleeping under a bunch of blankets and like cardboard, basically cardboard boxes. That, that was where they were living when we pulled up and built a house for them in three days. And let me tell you, this was a total game changer for me in my life. Complete game changer, okay? And you know what this did? This absolutely wrecked my pity party. It ruined all the, the stuff that I was working on, just feeling so sorry for myself and I'm new in this new area and you know, it's so hard and, and all this stuff and all the complaints that I had. I mean, it just, I had nothing. I had, I had nothing left now because my perspective was totally, totally different, you guys. Um, I remember being in college and I, I don't know anybody else just got worked up in college over finals week, like finals. I mean, there's some of you, you're probably still shuddering. Like it just brings back the, the memory. So I used to really get amped up during finals week and I'd lose all perspective and, and sight of reality. And I don't even remember how I stumbled on this, if someone suggested it or, or what happened. But I found myself early on in my college career, uh, one finals week, right in the midst of everything, um, going down to a soup kitchen in Cincinnati and serving at a homeless shelter down there. And you know what? Like everything, as I drove back from that soup kitchen in Cincinnati and I drove back up to Miami University, um, not the one in Florida, that'd be a long drive, but the one in just north of Cincinnati. As I drove back, everything was just different for me. Everything was different. And I realized that, you know, a lot of my problems, you know what they were? They were first world problems. It's a term that Becky and I still talk about all the time. You know, first world problem. These are first world problems that we're facing. That, that just comes from perspective. What it comes from is serving other people. I don't know how many of you uh, saw the, the Time Magazine uh, cover and the, the, the article from this past summer. It's called How Service Can Save Us. 
if you had a chance to read it, you, you probably remember the article well. Um, so it was an article about uh, our veterans, uh, our, our wonderful men and women, and many of you guys are, are veterans or you're still active duty serving, and I, I thank you so much for your service to our country. Um, so veterans coming back from war and all the atrocities and, and all the collateral damage and just everything that's wrapped into that. Um, and veterans coming back and having the hardest time just reintegrating back into society. Um, and there's this organization that was the feature of this, this write-up called The Mission Continues, TMC. And The Mission Continues basically just provided veterans with opportunities to serve, to continue to serve, to continue to have a purpose, but serving just through in the community, community service. And so TMC was offering these six-month fellowship um, that would be available to veterans. And these veterans were just going out and plugging in with nonprofits, rolling up their sleeves and doing all sorts of work. And what they found was absolutely staggering. They found that veterans who had suffered all sorts of trauma, who were suicidal, who had all just all kinds of stuff going on that was debilitating, preventing them not just from working, but from having any quality of life whatsoever or any productive relationship whatsoever. These veterans were getting in, plugged into this program. They were serving and their whole life was changing through service. And the University of Washington did a study on these fellows at the mission continues. I just want to show you a slide with a few of the results. So 86% of these fellows, after going through this program, reported a positive, life-changing experience. Now listen, listen. This is just flat out, roll up your sleeves and just get to serving somebody. You know what I'm saying? This is like building a playground. This is like volunteering in a soup kitchen. This is just your basic nuts and bolts. Get out a paintbrush and paint that wall. You know, we're not talking about some, you know, amazing, you know, we're just talking about just regular practical stuff. Okay. 86% life, positive life-changing experience. 71% went on to further their education. 86% said the program helped them transfer their military skills to civilian employment. And you better believe they were trying to do that before the program started. Now, what makes this even cooler is that these numbers, what was going on at the same time, is that over half of those who were surveyed had suffered traumatic brain injuries and two-thirds of them were suffering from post-traumatic stress pretty amazing what the power is in service. So if you're here this morning and you are just facing a tough season, I mean, you are in the midst of some dark days, this is going to seem really counterintuitive to you, okay? But just stay with me for a second, okay? Have you thought about serving now, you may be like, what? Like, if anything, people need to serve me. Like, I'm in a terrible place right now. Are you kidding me? You're, you're asking me to go serve? That's exactly what David did. That's exactly what we see in this Time Magazine article, that service is the thing that transforms us. Now, 
For those of you who were here last week, I know many of us had a great time with that 10,000 pounds of produce that, that we had shipped over here and, and putting those all together for the Arlington Food Assistance Center. There were also a couple of organizations that we partner with all the time that literally hundreds of you volunteer with from Grace, Casa Chiralagua and the Carpenter Shelter down in Alexandria. I want to I tell you something, okay? If you're here and you're like, yeah, you know, I am in a hard place and yeah, maybe that service thing would be good, okay? I'm going to make it so, so easy for you. In case you missed those tents last week and you didn't get a chance to sign up, here, here's just a super simple way. You, you want to serve? You want to try and change your perspective? Okay, take out your, take out your program, and there, when you open it up, there's that little connect card thing, okay? You just take that out right now, open that little f- flap up, and it's a perforated deal. And you can just write your name, write an email address, and if you want to get involved with our, um, our carpenter shelter, just write, just write shelter, okay? And, and we'll get you signed up on our listserv. At, at the Carpenter Shelter, we serve breakfast uh, two to three Sundays a month on Sunday mornings. You, you actually don't even have to miss service. It's that early, so don't get scared away at 11 o'clock service. But, um, so you can do that, and, and uh, man, it's, it's, it's an incredible thing. You get to make breakfast for, um, for all the residents at the Carpenter Shelter of Alexandria. We also do a bingo night on some Friday nights where it's awesome. It gets totally rocking, and, um, and we give away prizes, like just toiletries and other basic things that, that the residents need. So it's an amazing thing. That can be a game changer for you. If you're in a dark place right now, that, that may be something that totally shines light into the darkness, okay? We, we also partner, I mean, there's many different things. I'm just gonna talk about a couple. We partner with an organization called Casa Chiralagua that I absolutely love. And um, that's basically um, a, a mentoring and tutoring and after-school program that happens down in South Arlington and North Alexandria. And it's basically uh, outreach to um, immigrant families, the children of immigrant families who are very much behind in school, in their studies, and they are prime, prime candidates for all the gangs that are running rampant in that area. And, um, and th- this program is just absolutely amazing. We have several uh, folks from Grace who are actually on staff there who've gone from volunteering to actually being on staff. And uh, so many of you guys are, are plugged in there. And, and I just want to let you know that if, if you would like to, to make a difference in that way in a child's life and just completely get your perspective changed, just write on that connect card. Just write your name, email, and just write mentoring unless you think you can spell Casa Chiralagua, and then go for it. Enjoy that one. So just real practical stuff, okay? Fill that out, drop it in one of the black boxes as you leave. Now, maybe you're here and you're not in a dark place. Maybe you're having a great season of your life, but I bet there's someone in your life you know who is, who is in that dark place right now. They're walking in the cave. Here's, a, here's an idea. Instead of trying to preach at them, you know, you, you, when you talk to them, you know they're not in a good spot, right? You don't really know how to advise them, right? You don't really know what to say. If it's being helpful, why not invite them to serve with you? Hey, I'm going down to the carpenter shelter this Sunday. We're going to cook some breakfast for some homeless folks. Would you join me? You don't have to preach a word. You don't have to, you don't have, to have the motivational stuff. God will work that out. Why not invite someone to serve with you. Just a thought. All right, now, just to make sure that I've, I've totally made my point on this one about the power of service, I'm gonna ask Dan, can we kill the lights, all the lights? We're just gonna do it just, just for a few minutes. Okay, so here's the deal. 
when we are facing dark days, when we are in a dark place, what do you see? What can you see? Do you see people around you? Freaked one kid out. Okay, sorry about that. All right. It's almost, almost over. Okay. Look, you can barely see your own hand. Hold up your hand in front of your face. You can barely see your own hand in front of your face. So here's the point. All you can see around you is you, right? All you can see around you is your problems, your situation, your stuff, your junk. That's all we can really focus on is ourselves. But when we serve, it shines a light that pierces the darkness, doesn't it? And all of a sudden, whereas before we couldn't really see anything around us except for ourselves and our own situation and circumstances, now there's a light. And I'm not saying it's the brightest light, like a light like the sun and your dark days are over. I'm not saying that. But there's a light, be it ever so faint, that illuminates. It brings perspective to your situation. All of a sudden, you see things around you. You see things from a totally different vantage point. Serving is a light that pierces the darkness and brings perspective. All right, we'll bring those lights back up now. Thank you. So, seek, serve, and the last one, strengthen. If you want to fill that in, the word is strengthen. So the Philistines are attacking the Israelites at Kilah. David asks God, he seeks God. Should I go? God says go. So he goes, he serves. Then he's wondering if he could stick around there. It's this nice fortified city, walled in city. He asks God, can I stay? He seeks after God again. God says, no, you've got to get out of there because King Saul and his guys, they're pursuing you and you've got to go. And so David leaves Kilah and he, I think we've got another... Um, yeah, there's that map again, right? And he flees now to the desert of Ziph, right over there. Now, I just want to let you know, this is not a resort destination. Can we show that picture? Okay, this is no picnic. I mean, David is out in the middle of nowhere. It's, it's really, really bad. So here he is out in the desert of Ziph. And we pick it up in verse 15 through 17, 1 Samuel 23. It says, while David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. So he knew Saul was pursuing him to Kilah. Well, now he finds out Saul's still coming, okay? He's not even deterred when you're out in the desert. Saul is coming after you again, okay? So, man, it's relentless. It's never stopping. Was he going to get some relief when he went out into the desert? No. Saul is still on him. He's still fleeing and fearing for his life. And so, verse 16, And Saul's son Jonathan went to David. Now, Jonathan and David were very, very close friends. They had formed a friendship when David was serving in Saul's kingdom. David and Jonathan just kind of hit it off, and they, they were best friends. So Jonathan comes, and he finds David at Horesh, and it says that Jonathan helped him to find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul won't lay a hand on you. You'll be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. So here's desert, or David out in the desert, and his buddy Jonathan, 
shows up. I mean, can you imagine how random and how awesome that must have been? And he just comes to David and he says, I'm here to pump you up. I'm here to encourage you. And the biggest thing that Jonathan does is he reminds David of God's promises. He reminds David of what God has already said to David. He says, David, David, come on, man. Come on, listen up. You're going to be king, man. You don't have anything to be afraid of. Everybody knows this. You know this. I know this. Even my dad, King Saul, who's coming after you, even he knows that this is going to happen. This is a God thing. David, be strong and courageous. You are good to go. And he strengthens David in his faith. Now, in this case, God sent Jonathan to David, right? David was just doing his thing, and all of a sudden, Jonathan shows up. Don't you love it when God does that in your life? Like when you're just kind of cruising along, doing your own thing, and all of a sudden, boom, God just puts somebody in your life, almost feels like just God just sent an angel in the midst of your situation to give you a word, to encourage you, to be whatever it was that you needed. Isn't that awesome when that happens? Yes, it's awesome, okay? You guys still awake? You still with me, right? It's good. That's a good thing? Okay, all right. Most of the time, yes, it is. All right. But it doesn't always happen that way, does it? There's other times where I get the sense, it's almost like God's like, all right, I put some great people in your life. Now you got to go like be intentional about spending some time with them. Okay, I'm not just going to give them ESP and let them, you know, know what's going on with you. You got you to gotta reach out. You have to make the effort. So here's the question for you. In your life, who are the people who strengthen you? In your life, who are the people that bring you encouragement? Who are the people who inspire you? Who are the ones who energize you? Who are the strengtheners? Who help you to find strength in God and to keep going, especially during your dark days? You see, in my experience, there's two kinds of people, right? And it's probably not this simple, but let's just, for simplicity's sake, let's just, let's just say, okay? We've got people in our life who are strengtheners, and then we got people in our life who are suckers. You know what I'm saying? Like, they just suck the life out of you. you. You know what I mean? You can't always get away from all those people. I mean, some of those are just part of the package deal, either when you got married or when you were born, or, you know, you can't just quit your job right now, or, you know, whatever it is, right? We got strengtheners, and we got suckers, all right? So, here's the question. Who are you pushing into? Who are you trying to spend time with? Are you making sure that you're intentional about spending time with people who strengthen you, who encourage you? And are you being smart about managing your time with people you know drain you, suck your energy out? I'm not saying you can just cut them off and like, you know, unfriend them and, you know, all that, because that's, that's not reality. But are you at least putting up some barriers? Are you at least being smart? Are you, are you at least conscious of, is a person a strengthener or a sucker? When you are in the dark days, this is critical. You gotta be around people who help you to find strength in God, who encourage you. Now, on the flip side of this, because 
come on, we're not just all consumers. We can't just say, I'm writing off all the suckers in my life and just they're dead to me. I'm done with them. I'm only hanging out with people who strengthen me. We can't just look at it from a consumer mentality. Or at least, I'll tell you this, if you call yourself a Christian and you call yourself someone who, who has faith in Jesus Christ and is trying to live a life the way Jesus lived, you definitely can't just do that. Because we're not just called to get around and, you know, and just get to the strengtheners. We're called to be strengtheners as well. So here's a question for you on the flip side. When, as you think about your circle of friends and family and key people, and you're kind of thinking, yeah, strengthener, yeah, sucker, yeah, you know, you're kind of putting them in the categories. How would people categorize you? How would they categorize you? Do people see you as a strengthener or a sucker? Because I can tell you it's pretty clear. If you're a Christian, this is something that God calls us to. Um, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament wrote a letter to the church in Thessalonica. Love that name. And it's, it's in 1 Thessalonians in the Bible, chapter 5, verse 11. And this is what Paul writes. He's encouraging Christians in the church to not lose sight of what Jesus said. And this is what Paul says to them, okay? And if you're here today and you call yourself a Christian, okay, this is to you. If you don't, if you're still trying to figure that out, you get a free pass. You can just laugh at the rest of us who have to do this, okay? Okay, you can just do whatever you want because this is for people who are we're signing up to do what Jesus calls us to do. And this is what Paul writes. He says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you're doing. So on the flip side, not just are you around people who strengthen you, are you minimizing your time with those people who are sucking the life out of you, but what could you do to be more active in strengthening those around you? To encourage, to inspire, to energize the people around you because that's something as Christians that we're called to do. So three words, guys. Seek, serve, strengthen. There's tremendous wisdom here in 1 Samuel chapter 23. We see David doing these things in his life to help him face the dark days. But the, here's the thing. Here's the catch. I think the hard part of this isn't so much, like we can all agree and say, oh yeah, that makes sense. Okay, yeah, those three things. It's actually then being able to take it and do it, right? I mean, that's the harder part is to walk out of here and not just go, oh, that was interesting. You know, put that bulletin on the shelf and, you know, wait for next week. But to actually take and do something about it, that's the hard part. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. We don't have to do it alone. Because this isn't like three steps in some sort of a self-help seminar where now it's like, okay, guys, just, you know, just go out and do it. Now you can do it. Go. Come on. Go seek and serve and strengthen. Just go on out there and take, take on the world. No, that's not it at all. Right? There's way more than that to this deal. This is not a self-help seminar. This is about our faith in God and a God who sends his spirit. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus promises us that he sends his spirit to live inside us, to empower us to do what we cannot do. So here's the good news, right? Because here's the reality. When you're in real dark days, when you're really down in it, when you're really way in that cave and you're stuck in there, you don't feel like seeking, you don't feel like serving, and you don't feel like strengthening, do you? So when you don't have any desire to seek, you're too frustrated, you're too exhausted to even pray to God. 
what you do as a Christian is you remind it of what Jesus tells us. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Keep on asking. Keep on rolling. He didn't say that part, but to keep on doing it, right? And so you say, Jesus, I don't even want to do that right now. But by your spirit in me, would you help me to have the words? Because I do need wisdom and I do need guidance and I am frustrated. Help me. Okay, when, when you're at such a bad place that the last thing in the world you want to do is serve somebody because you feel like you should be served, that's when as a Christian you, you look at Jesus and you go, oh my gosh, Jesus, all he came to do was serve. And when we follow him, that's, that's what we're supposed to do all the time. We put a serving towel over our arm and we serve. That's, that's our MO for our life. Jesus, I'm in such a bad place. I don't want to do that right now. I have no desire to serve somebody. Could you help me? Could you help? Could you motivate me? Could you give me an opportunity? Could you, could, I don't want to take the pen out and write that thing on a connect card right now. You know, shelter, mentoring, you know, but, but Jesus, just, just let me do it. Just let me, help me to do that, to take a step because I don't want to. Or how about strengthening? You know, when you're in a tough place, I don't know about you, I don't even want to be around people. I, I don't want their encouragement. Those people drive you crazy. Don't encourage me. Don't try and strengthen me, right? I mean, when you get in a bad place, you don't want to be strengthened. It's nice to have the pity party for a while, isn't it? Come on, let's be honest. Maybe it's just me. All right. But anyway, the reality is that when we stop and we think about our faith in Jesus Christ, the fact that Jesus came to remind us, hey, you can't do this all on your own, right? You actually need help. You need God's help. That's the whole reason Jesus came for us, is to show us we need a savior. We're not perfect. As much as we try to be, as much as we want to think we are, we're not. And so Jesus came to just remind us we need him and we need other people around us. And so in those times, we just say, Jesus, could you please, I don't even want to be strengthened, but just help me, send some people my way. Help me to find that strength that I need. So the reality is when we have faith in Jesus Christ, we don't have to face these dark days alone. We don't have to seek. We don't have to serve. We don't have to strengthen on our own. Now, as we close, I want to I pray for you guys, but I just want to say as, as we're in closing, there in no way this sermon is meant to, to in any way make you guys think that, that this, these three things are some sort of a quick fix. Many of us know from these seasons in our lives we've been in that this is tough stuff. And it's a long climb out of that cave. It's a long grind. But we have to start somewhere. And we're able to put some practical things in, our, in place knowing that we're not alone. So I just want to encourage you that with God's help and some practical wisdom, when we apply those things, we can find light that will pierce the darkness. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for um, these ancient texts that have found their way into the Bible, Lord, that you've preserved for us all these years that have such incredible wisdom for our lives. God, we thank you for how you saw David through his dark days, and we're just praying that you would help see us through ours, God. Um, help us to continue to seek you even when we don't feel like it. Help us to serve when we don't feel any motivation to do so, and help us to find strength in you through those around us, God. Um, we thank you that we're not in this by ourselves, that we have your help, and uh, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.